Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navar. Today we have a guest, Chris Ippolite from iSolutions. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So you're up here presenting at our Portland FileMaker user group, and I wanted to sit down with you and ask you some questions about your topic tonight, which is WebViewer. Yeah, WebViewer, uh, really kind of extending WebViewer, you know, not your basic in, you know, putting a Google map in a layout type thing, but uh, some of the other um, benefits that uh, using a web viewer can bring to your existing solutions. You can put Google Maps in a layout? <laughs> I know. This is crazy. I start off with that. It's kind of earth-shattering, but uh, yes, it's true. You can. Have, and MapQuest as well. Of course, the, the really cool one is if you can map multiple addresses in Google Map. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, well, th- yeah, and th- that's a whole different uh, ball of wax there, but uh, that can be done as well. Just uh, And through the web viewer, by the way. It's funny that you mentioned that. Before we dive into that, let's talk about a couple of other our segments on the show. One of them is It's Not FileMaker. Hmm. So one cool thing I saw this week, which I thought was really cool, was a website called TED.com, T-E-D, which is not United Airlines, but is actually ideas worth spreading. So they get a thousand really smart people from all over the world, I guess mostly pretty much all English-speaking, together in a room and talk about ideas and they share ideas with each other, but it's only ever Is been a private... by the Harvard Business Review? I don't think That's so. I think I might have heard that before. I think it... We were talking about that earlier. I, thought, I, didn't, I don't remember seeing their name in the videos, but they just started putting the videos online and once a week they put a HD resolution video online. You can go watch it. And so you can get... Uh, some of the people on there have been Jane Goodall talking about how um, humans and animals are living together in Africa all the way to Richard Dawkins talking about really obscure things in biology and evolution to wow to uh, to a, a nine-year-old girl playing violin and playing just unbelievably well no kidding and that's ted dot well ted.com would be united no oh it's ted.com ted. oh yeah. cool and so it's free and it's just i happened upon it and and watched uh, so a lot of the books that i read um malcolm gladwell uh stephen pinkert a lot of these you know scientists uh in different industries will have talks on there and it's just really cool to See them talk about it and see. Wow, it's almost like the real world version of the FileMaker Talk podcast. Oh, that was really weak. <laughs> <laughs> trying to show some love. <laughs> We're so not in that. Uh, there. And then they also have really weird people on, like, um, who, let's see, uh, John Hodgman, you know, the comedian. Mac and PC. He's oh, the guy who plays the PC. Yeah. He was on there oh, with a great. really, really Daily funny show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Daily Show. His thing, his video is hilarious about uh, different ways that we've met space aliens. It's really funny. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I just saw a piece on Wired in Wired about him and similar tone. I love his dry sense of humor. I aspire to that. So that's my It's Not FileMaker. What's yours? So just in general in, in the world, what's uh, cool that's not FileMaker? Yes. Uh, I have to say, I've been sort of like following this whole air application thing from adobe nike air uh <laughs> yeah well we're not in beaverton but we're close enough right now so uh, uh no not necessarily nike air but uh, adobe air um and all these there's if you go to the adobe website you can see all the different applications that people are producing out there in the world uh, most of them are garbage because it's sort of like uh, anybody can do it and put it up on their marketplace but some of them are really really cool step um, back and explain what air is for those of us who are dumb Air is um, it's more of a deployment technology, and um, imagine uh, you've created some kind of file and you, you want to deploy it to multiple users. 
um, Air is this new platform or this new uh, deployment environment that is platform independent that can actually speak to the desktop. So it's really got the benefit of a application on your machine, but the sort of thin client vibe of a browser-based application. So really, it's kind of like a mix between desktop and web. And it's uh, Adobe's, it's the layer underneath all the new CS4 products. <clears throat> it existed in um, the CS3 with Flex. Um, and, and so you can build things in, like, let's say, Flex, for example, and then deploy them in Air. And then people, it doesn't matter what platform you're on or anything like that. You just deploy it and download it and boom. So you have to it. develop it in the Air environment, but then you can deploy it to any platform? Uh, yeah, more or less. There's a couple, you can, de- you can develop it in a, using a couple different application environments and then, okay. then deploy it basically anywhere. And so uh, it, you, you can check it out at Adobe Air. That's, I think it's called uh, Marketplace. Uh, but the one that I like, because I'm a big football fan, is this cool new Adobe Air one where if you're a subscriber to DirecTV, you just download this super thin client application to your desktop, log in, and then you get every single live streaming video of the uh, every NFL football game that's going on on any given Sunday. So it's a really cool way that they've, they've been able to compress video and deliver video that way. Uh, so that's very impressive. Um, and just the, the whole air idea. So check that out. I mean, if it, you know, if uh, if you're interested in seeing something new, um, it's definitely worth a look. I think did they use some technology like that for the Olympics too? Yeah. Well, that was a silver uh, silverlight. Oh yeah, and that actually wasn't cross-platform. Exactly. And I actually, um, I have a G5 Mac at home, and I couldn't look at anything because it required an Intel processor. It, it, well, and also. Uh, it, well, it's a Microsoft. Right, uh, exactly, yeah, which doesn't play with anything else. On purpose doesn't play with anything else. Now, that was NBC, if I'm not mistaken. But NBC also does um, a cool uh, Sunday night football application that isn't using uh, th- that technology, but is mm. is more like this Air application that I'm talking about with like different views and streaming and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's similar, but it's cross-platform, and it's made so that everyone can watch it. <laughs> Way it. better. I'm all yeah. about that. Let's see. Then we have one other thing we should talk about, which is a really cool tip that uh, maybe not everybody knows about. Yeah, we were uh, chatting about this earlier, and uh, it's my favorite tip in class. I like to I sort of build up to this one and save this for folks. But uh, we found that um, when you're doing when you're saving PDFs, you know, in, in the particular example that we had, it was uh, for a medical application where we were uh, faxing uh, documents to you know, like someone will have a hand or a a portable computer and they'd fax to the floor of the wherever they are at the time in some hospital. The problem is in order to do that, you're saving a PDF to your desktop or not even your desktop, but some like hidden directory somewhere. Mm-hmm. And those get pretty full after a while, not to mention the whole HIPAA issue with right. actually storing that information when you're logged off right. uh, to the application. So one way to get around that is if you, um, after you've saved a PDF, and of course you're going to set a variable to where the path is for the location of that PDF, Use that same variable, but after you've attached it to an email or done whatever you're going to do with it, uh, include a script step of export field contents, which, of course, is traditionally used for exporting values out of a container field, right? Well, if you put export field contents after you've used the PDF, let's say in this case, Uh and do not indicate the field or the target field, so leave that unchecked or don't even select one, Uh but... um, uh, then what it'll, but then use the same the the same um, variable that you used for the location of the PDF as the where you want to save this exported value. What FileMaker then does is export nothing, 
to that location with that same name, thus completely overwriting. It, and it's a weird behavior on the OS. Yeah. It overwrites and thus deletes the original file, but it doesn't come up with a dialogue that says, do you want to replace hmm. this or anything like that. It just makes it go away, disappears, hmm. gone. So export field contents without a without a field designated, using the same variable as where you saved a PDF, is I think the cool... So you could probably delete all kinds of files in your operating system that way. Well, conceivably, <laughs> you could, do, yeah, put a DLL yeah. on there. Uh, yeah, you could basically, you know, anything that's, yeah, actually, you could use that to delete pretty much anything. <laughs> well, so, anything yeah. the user has the right to delete, right? right? You wouldn't that's, be able to delete system files. That's before. the important part. And you figure that they do have the, the right to delete something that earlier in a script they created. Right. So that's the logic behind so that. So it would be very important to test and to make sure that you are deleting the file you want to delete. Well, and also it's tricky in testing where you want, when you're debugging that script, that you want to make sure to pause it to make sure the PDF was created created in the first place, right. or also the timing of is important. If you're using it as an attachment to an email, you want to make sure you sent the email before you delete the attachment. So those kind of things need to be taken into consideration. But that's, yeah, that's been my favorite tip. Saved me on a project I was working on and also just kind of a neat thing. So Cool. Let's dive into the interview because this isn't the interview yet. Of course. <laughs> right. It sure feels like it. <laughs> I'm working. So... Uh, <laughs> Web viewers' old definition has just been basically to sort of consume web content and show web pages and do simple things. But how would you define it as it's evolving? Well, I think, you know, without being cheeky, uh, web viewer, you know, it was specifically named web viewer instead of web browser um, because it was originally intended to just show and display things that live out in the world and other applications. Um, but the real value of the web viewer itself is what makes it work. And what actually makes the web viewer work is that it's borrowing, I guess in plain English, it's borrowing the engine that runs your browser. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, you know, on Mac, it's your Safari browser specifically, and on um, Windows, it's IE. But that engine can do a lot more than just show a Google map on a layout, for example, or, you know, display Google search results or, you know, mm -hmm. nothing against Google. Uh, those just happen to be my examples. But that engine can do anything that can be done inside a browser. Maybe people might... You know, unless you step back a little bit, you don't realize some of those other things that can be done inside of a browser. Lead in to next question. Next question, which is, <laughs> give me some examples. Oh, so oh, interesting that you asked. Um, uh, so, <laughs> so for example, people take for granted in their just normal consumer-based browsing experience that you can do things like display images, display videos, or even open up full PDF documents. Or if you happen to be one of those Windows folks. Um, you can even view spreadsheets and Word documents and PowerPoints and stuff like that inside of your browser. So if you think about, okay, yeah, I guess it is kind of doing that. Well, then what does that mean if, let's say, I can view an image in a browser? Well, how about that age-old issue that we all run into with storing images inside of containers and the issues involved with users and trying to put huge file sizes inside your Images and containers are pretty evil. It's They're very evil, and really they've sort of been the bane of, well, actually, it's been an issue for many generations of FileMaker, and even more so now that we can put even more types of files in there instead of just media. And if the file size is no longer two gigs, it's now... Well, then, yeah, right. Now you're really... Four terabytes or something. Yeah, and then you have a real problem, and then, then you, you don't just have portability issues at that point. You have, you know, true functioning uh, issues with FileMaker, and God forbid you try to publish something like that to the web or work with indexes or anything. It gets to be a real problem. So enter... Instead of having a container on a on a uh, layout, how about you just put a web viewer 
And then, of course, the user needs to be able to, instead of inserting, having the same dialog windows of inserting an image into a container, you just, in that, in that case, have a client available um, to be able to upload that to a web server somewhere so it can be published. And that way, you know, you're not also doing that thing where you upload something that's on your desktop and you can see it, but then the person in the cubicle next to you just sees broken image because their path isn't the same thing. Right, I mean, right. a lot of users get confused by that. The biggest benefit I see is that you can have all your files can be backed up separately from your database file. So your database file might be 100 megs instead of 100 gigs. And they're almost always going to be separate because one of them's got to have a web server and you're probably not running your database on that unless right. you're publishing that data as well. And then um, you back up, you get granularity because if you add or edit one image, you only have to back up that one change. Whereas if you add one image to a 100 gigabyte FileMaker database, you have to back up the whole entire file. Absolutely. And, and it really, it that functionality stems from the core of how uh, websites work. It's just simply a server somewhere that the DNS entry tells us where that server is when we put in a certain address, and it just allows us to view the content that's stored on that server. It just so happens that people build that in an aesthetically pleasing way, and these are what websites are. But if you just pull, if you abstract just the image or just the video or the sound bite or whatever it is, and then put that in a web viewer on your FileMaker layout, so you can do anything from having a logo show up as part of a web viewer instead of an embedded container or just store images, video, sound, all sorts of different files. Mm -hmm. uh, PDFs, the whole nine yards. Charts. Ch uh, yes, <laughs> charts, of course. Well, that's you know a little bit different that's of an approach, too. Now, I that's not just storing something. It's actually driving and, and the building. driving and using right. FileMaker data. Now, I, for those listening, I, I'm describing one of the coolest products out there, Super Container from... Uh, from 360 Works. 360 yeah, it's works. great. That's a perfect solution to that. And they've revved it and made it great. So now there's like drag and drop in the new version. It's oh, amazing. It's, it's, that, it's a five-star product as far as I'm concerned. And one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is a, a way to do basically the same type of thing without, you know, you having to use a licensed product. Um, you know, there's right, well, some... You can just have your own website and do it, but well, then you've found another way too, right? Yeah, actually, well, I found some free Java uh, FTP clients out there. Mm -hmm. And that's basically, that's all you need is you can just set up your client to point to a web server that you have. So you can either point to your local machine running a web server or a, a shared server somewhere on your network. And uh, that's one of the things we're going to talk about tonight. Right, is, so then when you point your web viewer at a page, you get a page with some with some buttons to upload and download images and stuff like that. Yeah, that's basically what mm -hmm. you get. And 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 so you're just borrowing something that's already out there, but it's free. What the heck? And so anything that's free on the web can now be part of your FileMaker application. So that's one of the examples. The other thing that we're also looking at is uh, viewing PDFs as in a document management system instead of embedded. What happens when you embed a, a, a a PDF or any other binary file into a container. What do you see in that thing? You see the icon and the name of the file, right? Well, unless it's a <coughs> Mac. I think Macs can actually render PDFs in place, right? Can't they? Uh, well, um, in the example that I'm showing, what we're actually doing, well, not necessarily rendering in place, right? That's a mm -hmm. different type of logic. But what we're doing here is, you know, if you think about it, you know, have you ever gone and opened up a, a link that goes to a PDF? It, it loads right inside your browser, mm -hmm. allows you to interface with it. It was If it's a form, if they've set it up as a PDF form, for example, it can speak to a whole other database if you want to. That can all show up inside your FileMaker layout. We're showing that. And then additionally, I stumbled across this cool link on Adobe. It's... Um, and I don't have the link committed to memory, so I apologize, but it's like Adobe Link or something like that where you can... Unacceptable. Thank you. <laughs> we will in enter the name in the, into the edit in someone else's voice later. Well, you should never talk about editing because in there, invariably those things <laughs> yeah, forget to get now done. You got, now you got to edit, but uh, uh, we got to edit out that whole first 20 minutes of us uh, gabbing about stuff. But um, the 
what you can do is you can upload a PDF to the. You ever go to Google and you search for something and it comes up with a PDF document? But no, it says, I've never done a search on Google. <laughs> but you I, walked into that one. I did. You're actually right. Just like I need into the table here earlier. Um, but sometimes it'll say, "Oh, here's the PDF." Or view as HTML, right? Well, that's actually a service that Google provides. And believe it or not, they've got their own servers out there where if you upload a PDF, it'll turn it into an HTML for you and give you your own, basically, address on one of their servers to point to. I've often wondered about that because a lot of like scientific places just uploads PDFs. They don't actually make websites of all their stuff. And, so. and frankly, uh, a lot of the FileMaker support documents are up on Google that mm-hmm. way as well. So you probably encountered them that way. So this idea is using that Adobe link to turn your PDF into an HTML so you can store the PDFs themselves. But let's say you want people to search on the content. You can't really do that, right? So this is the way you turn it into HTML, and then you can HTML scrape that data, throw it into a FileMaker field, and do keyword searches on the text within the HTML that way as well. So So you're actually, let's see, I'm trying to fully understand this. You're using the Google service? Yeah, it's an Adobe service, actually, that Google uses, and then Google stores it for you. Okay. um, and it's free. It's all free stuff. But basically, you can store these PDFs in your in your document, but you have to go and tag them yourself mm-hmm. for people to be able to search on them and find them. But let's say you just want people to be able to search the content within the PDF. Well, turn it in HTML, and then this just happens to be one way that you can do that. And then grab that it, using the get layout um, object, um, or you know, grabbing the contents. Uh, from the the HTML, putting it into a field, and then letting your user search keyword based into that field. So it saves. But, but grabbing the content of a web viewer, I thought was very non-intuitive. You have to use get layout object attribute, yes. and then there's content. several different. You can use content or source. Sor- the kind of they're, in some cases will give you the same results. Yeah, really, content will actually give you what you're looking for in this particular right. example that I'm talking about. The so, resulting raw code of the, the web page returned back to you, which is just HTML, and if you with your text in it. Right. So, um, really, that's what you want. You know, pe- people to be able to search on. Now, technically, in that case, they could search on an HTML tag and find a bunch of matching results too. But mm-hmm. your users aren't going to do that. They're not going to know that it's HTML on the back end in that case. So that's another thing we talk about. And then, of course. You know, I can't talk for an hour without bringing up Flex or Flash and showing <laughs> some applications uh, in you know in that environment. So uh, you know, I've got uh, a little thing that I've done with um, you know some hobbyist stuff that I've done that I'm going to be showing tonight, where I've got like little charts and stuff like that in there, and I've got a really cool uh, application that we did for a Massachusetts uh, fallen firefighter memorial. Um, that's a, like a, a, a searching. You can search for what the you know the dedicated brick is. Let's say you have a family member that mm-hmm. you know passed away. You can search for it and it'll locate it for you and it'll zoom in and bring up anything. And that's all done in Flex. That I um, mean, a couple of examples uses plugins where you can talk locally or you can use a web server. So that's all done through uh, Web Viewer as well. And uh, and then reporting. I'm going to talk a little bit about data URL and how really important that is. So before you get to reporting, Flex and Flash. Um, oh yes, I can't believe that I tried to move past. Well, well. Anyway, <laughs> the thing that the thing that I found useful, I'll throw that in too. Here is I found it useful to use Web Viewer to just do calculations. So I found some code when I was looking at um, one of the things we talked about in a previous uh, podcast was Levenstein edit distance. Oh, to yes, compare two words to each other, and I found some code in Basic C, Java, JavaScript. But oddly, I didn't find a FileMaker custom function written to already do this. So you could actually use the web viewer to use that JavaScript code 
and then you, you send it your words to compare, word A and word B, and then you get the result back. So you can actually copy and paste code. So where I'm going with all this is A, that's a pretty cool use of WebViewer. But Very are there cool. but finding existing code is one of the coolest things. Well so, that people what people need to focus on is that um, forget the viewing maps, nothing against the Google Maps, but the web viewer is something that will run it's like a it's like a applet or a servlet container, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of that kind of logic for for executing code. So in your case, you're talking about, hey, I just want to run some Java. It, it gives you an environment to do that, and at the same time, since the web viewer is a layout object, like we talked well, about, before, JavaScript because script, Java yeah, is not. Then you use the script master plugin free from 360 Works, which actually is what uh, I ended up doing. 360 Works sponsoring this particular podcast? No, but you know they have some great stuff. They really do. So uh, the. That's what I ended up doing, actually, in that particular case, because okay. I found that exact same code in Java, and that's uh-huh. a little bit better than the JavaScript one, although that does involve a plugin. So JavaScript allows you to run this math without any extra plugins or anything. You just have a script that sets a data URL, goes to a site, scrapes the code for the one last word of for the For whatever thing. piece you're looking for. But right? where I was going with the other question was, what libraries of uh, Flex and Flash exist for code to do things like that? Well, uh, you know, Flex is... Uh more of the focus there is on the the UI or the interface that the that the user is using. What's nice about it is that there's libraries and modules out there that you don't have to reinvent. You can do things like calendars or charts or you know progress bars or what you know those types of things. You can go out there and there's communities that are built up around it. And even within the application environment itself, you can search for these things and you know pull from different areas and, and make your own sort of Frankenstein application which, so there's a lot which sites there. do you use to find the different Go resources right right on Adobe site they have a, a, a flex developers area each one of their products has a developer area and if you go on the flex one that's one of the greatest resources out there for these what's Adobe's website address I believe it's aodbe org no, a doesn't start with a <laughs> it's u h d o b e nice uh, Adobe <laughs> Uh, but, you know, the idea, the real way to look at, at uh, WebViewer and its true power is that it's an engine to run things that work on, in a browser, which is more than HTML and, well, really more than HTML. If you can step outside of that, you can really get the value. And then it also contains data that can be extracted and placed inside your FileMaker or used inside your FileMaker applications. And that's why that data URL concept works, too, because you don't have to go outside the file anymore. You can just write right to it for either display or, like you were doing, uh, functionality. Data URL is a new thing in FileMaker 9. I guess it was a workaround in old versions. Yeah, well, there's plenty of workarounds for it, but the the basic concept is, let's say you wanted to display something in HTML, just a real uh, simple concept. You would have had to export out, or data, let's say a found set that you have in a web viewer in HTML. You would have had to export that out as an HTML table and then point your web viewer to that location where you've exported it, right? And sure, that works. And there were workarounds around that, but now what data URL allows you to do is just send the HTML directly to the web viewer without it technically leaving you know your, your environment right and so you're setting either a field or a variable that's to the con to, to actually most people to set contain a HTML and then they they do a set web viewer right. with that value and then voila it shows up so we're gonna you know talk about some reports examples but really it's just to get people thinking about some of the stuff you can do with data URL there's yeah, really reporting. a lot of neat stuff going on and I believe I, at Devcon I saw some people doing some like charting stuff that was based on data mm-hmm. URL which is really cool um, so really, the sky's the limit with that. Yeah. So, like one of the things I've done is you can 
If you want to view a column of numbers in a little bit more flexibly than you could do easily in FileMaker, for example, to sort them and to, if you change the width of the page, to have all your columns uh, get wider proportionally. Based on how many, yeah, like how, what like the longest value is, much like in a chart. You know, right. Whatever your highest value is, that's how high the chart is or how wide your table is. Right. So what you can do is you can actually loop through your records and set the contents the of all of the amount. fields you're looking at to well, a file, to a table, an HTML table. Right. And then use CSS at the beginning of your... You bet. ...to interpret that and, and to show that table really easily. Absolutely. And, and one of the examples I'll show tonight is something that goes through a, a number of orders for a customer, and it sets the max number of order. And if you know the next value in the loop uh, surpasses that, that becomes the new max order. And that's what we, that's, we use that max to set our, our table width, for example. Um, and then we do use a get summary that sets a variable in there to go. So it's like kind of emulating a subsummary report, but inside a web viewer through a loop using mm-hmm. get summary function and some set fields. And all it is is basically if you know HTML, you're, you can do all this stuff. If you know, if you know Java, you can do, you can do all that. Now bring all that knowledge into FileMaker. If you know Flash or Flex, mm-hmm. bring all that knowledge into FileMaker. Um, so really, that's that is what I think is the most important thing about um, the web viewer. And I do think that it will really prepare people for where all applications ultimately are going. Um, I think it's the best preparation that you can do is learn a little bit about some of these other applications using FileMaker as your data source and using the web viewer as was really an unparalleled, unique layout object. And no other database application has that. Um, and, it, and for FileMaker, it's interesting because there's that fusion between presentation and data layer. Um, database 3 has that. A web viewer. <laughs> I thought Paradox had one as well, if oh, I'm yeah. not mistaken. Uh, um, but really, I think it helps people kind of. First of all, it's really important for us FileMaker folks to understand some of these other technologies, just because we have that responsibility to our clients. Bottom line, that's the reality of it. I know mean, we're all in our comfort zone. Look, I don't like in- learning new things. <laughs> I'm really not into it. But when you get charged up and you see how you can integrate them into FileMaker. It, it, it makes it more palatable for you and helps you get you know make you think you're still in the realm of FileMaker. But the reality of it is, there's other technologies out there that uh, we can integrate easier than you think. Yeah, you know, I have to say that the, the one of the biggest reasons that I put time into this podcast is because I want to learn uh, what those other technologies are and start using them myself. Because it has been really difficult as a twenty year, twenty year veteran FileMaker developer you, you get to learn into new that things. Routine. Yeah, you get it's it's dangerous. You get into that routine and. Uh, but the reality of it is, uh, you know, we, we we do have a responsibility to kind of learn these things. And how you know how else yeah. would you know if you don't monkey around with it a little bit? That's so. right. You, you got to wait in, as I heard someone say recently, to know what, what you can do. Because sometimes you can actually get to a solution. You can solve your customer's problem far more efficiently by integrating Java or JavaScript or HTML or and frankly save yourself some times and it's your time. And even if you mm-hmm. want to be really lazy about it. Uh, if you're a project manager, let's say, I mean, not everybody that listens to your podcast is probably a hands-on developer. Maybe there's some project managers out mm-hmm. there, those types of things. Understanding that... No, they're all developers. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Well, understanding that Both pe- of them. people who have those skills and no FileMaker skills, I just identifying the fact that they're useful to you on your projects and in your development environment, that's a big leap forward, you know. It, it, I, we have people that we work with on our FileMaker projects that only know Flex or only know Flash or only know Java or whatever it is, and they don't know what we're talking about when we talk about FileMaker. But we just say, "Hey, I need code or I need a UI that does this, this, and this, and here's how I'm going to provide the data for you." 
And all of a sudden, it's just a big, happy marriage. So you can do some really cool things that way. And one of the things I'm going to show tonight is Flex with PHP and Java and FileMaker scripting all wrapped mm -hmm. into one UI that the user has no idea is actually multiple different things that they're looking at at one time. So Cool. So we, now that this has a little bit of history, um, we can sort of conjecture at what the direction might be. Where do you want this to go? Well, um, I think it's important to... to, to Again, I you know I've mentioned it before with emphasis already that I think learning these other technologies is important. But keep in mind that FileMaker is unique in that your presentation layer tool set is provided by FileMaker, and your data layer storage uh, set is all provided by FileMaker, and that's unusual. And that's what's made FileMaker such a great desktop level platform. But moving forward, especially in the developer community, um, we're, we're going to need to be able to know these other technologies so they can be integrated. And right now. The future of how FileMaker is going to work from a UI perspective is currently already found in the web viewer itself. So imagine a layout with one big web viewer on it and using all sorts of different technologies to work with your FileMaker data in ways that no one could ever imagine before. I will stake my reputation on the fact that um, th those are the skills that are going to be most useful for all of us moving forward. Just look at all the other applications. And I'll, and I'll loop back to the beginning of this discussion. Take a look at AIR. Air is not a, a product that you develop in or anything. It's a deployment mechanism, mm -hmm. but it's thin. And that thin client is really going to be important. And all applications are moving in that direction. They're moving from desktop to browser, and then w they don't stop at browser. From browser to thin client, and that's, you know, ultimately someday, you know, we're all going to be there as well. So how do you prepare yourself for that? Get exposed to some of these technologies, and everything you'll be able to do in the future, you can do inside a web viewer right now. So awesome! So, Chris, where can we learn more um, from your websites about these, about what you're doing to develop these things? Um, well, a lot of uh, I've been trying to. Uh, I have two different um, uh, web addresses. One, I've been putting a lot of information onto my blog at uh, chrisippolite.com, and that's c r i s i p p o l i t e dot com. I've got all sorts of information on there from FileMaker sort of discovery techniques to Flash and FileMaker integration to every uh, speaking uh, thing that I do. I put my sample files up there and some video and all sorts of good stuff. And then also uh, training where I talk about all these topics. You can find it at isolutionstraining.com, which is I-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S, training.com. And uh, in either one of those ca cases, you can probably track me down. And on uh, Matt's uh, Facebook page. <laughs> Thanks very much. No problem. Glad to be here.